Hello, you're listening to a preview of a premium episode of Blockchain Reported. In this one, we get into a major controversy in the world of young adult fiction. So check this out. If you want to hear the whole thing, go to blockchainreported.org, where for just $5 a month and up, you get access to three premium episodes just like this one each and every month, as well as a huge community of amazingly handsome people. Hope you enjoyed the preview. Jesse, we are back with another story about the world of YA, that is young adult literature. Do you remember what, what other YA stories we've covered? No, I can no longer remember what we covered versus what I wrote about, but they all involve these deranged attempts to accuse people of various isms on the basis of like, you know, an out of context quote from one of their books. Yeah, I didn't remember either, but I Googled it. And apparently in episode 41, you walk me through the quote, recent history of young adult fiction Twitter, aka YA Twitter, and attempted to explain how it got to be such a Hobbesian hellscape. Uh, yes, I assume you're talking about Michael there. Oh, yeah. Hobbesian. Yes, yes. Hobbesian. The latest scandal in- involves Jessica Cluis, a YA author falsely accused of racism and violence, and the opportunistic authors, consultants, and agents rushing to denounce her in as colorful and overwrought a manner as possible. Any recollection of that? Yeah, it was really bad. And I felt bad for her, and it was insane. Who was she? I don't remember her at all. I don't remember the details at all, but it was really bad. <laughs> Thank you, Jesse. You know, here's the thing. I don't, people, I, I don't want people to think like, what's like the right analogy here? There's so many internet bullshit stories that pass through our brains that it's genuinely hard a few weeks later to remember what's what, except for ones like that you do like really, really in-depth investigations. This is just, we, we're swimming in this stuff. Yeah, either that or we just have bad memories. Uh, We also. I I was also going to say, like, you could you don't expect LeBron James to remember every game, but in fact, (laughs) he probably does. He remembers like he can remember a specific play. It's like there's like certain uh, pro athletes who are just freaks about that and can remember like every play from every game. So bad example. All right. Well, if anybody can remember who Jessica Cluis was, please remind us in the show notes or in the comment section. Um, Okay. We also we had Kat Rosenfeld on the show once. She has not only chronicled the weird pathology of YA Twitter. She's also written... Must read Vulture article. Yeah. Must read. If you're new to this, I'm going to put it in the show notes now. You have to read her old Vulture article. Yeah, and she's also a, a YA author herself in addition to being a really good adult murder, uh, murderer. Murderer. Uh, murderer. Uh, so, Jesse, for people who aren't familiar with YA Twitter, please briefly describe this ecosystem and explain why it is such a Hobbesian hellscape. Yeah, I, I, I can't outdo Kat Rosenfield. You should read her articles. But basically, it's like all the stuff we talk about this show, but super concentrated into an ecosystem system that's increasingly winner take all if you write a hit ya novel you could get a film adaptation you could get six or seven figures the vast majority of people scrape just to get a novel published and then no one reads it so you mix that with a very strong social justice ethos that has driven out anyone who doesn't share it, or at least they were not going to share their politics online with like the crabs in a bucket thing of, of a very small pie. Uh, and it just, it gets very, very crazy. And you do have these situations where, especially when advanced copies go out, someone will screenshot. My favorite example is they'll be like, a racist character who says a racist thing and part of the book is about how they're bad or about how later in the book they realize they were racist and reformed their ways uh, that Katie Herzog are. Reform? I don't think so. (laughs) Sorry, except for that. And people treat a racist character saying a racist thing as proof the author is racist, which is... Stupid. (laughs) So dumb that it's impossible to describe how dumb it is. Like, I I don't know how to explain that. And no one who tweets that could actually believe that. And yet, 
accusations of that quality have led to books being delayed, have led to reputations being destroyed. It's just one of the most unhinged online communities I've come across. And then if you point out it's unhinged or that a given accusation is unfounded, you are a harasser. You are you are a threat to people. It's very strange. Uh, you got to read cat stuff on it. Yeah, it probably also doesn't help that this is a field that seems to be dominated by women, particularly young women. You know how women be. Women do be like that. Um, okay, so before we get to the latest developments, uh, as you mentioned, YA is is really a, a winner-take-all genre, and they're currently in, in the midst of something of a crisis. So in the 2000s, early 2000s, series like Twilight and The Hunger Games made it the hottest genre around, but it's been in decline for a while now. So according to Publishers Weekly, sales among all genres are up except YA. Library circulation is down as well, and there are a few theories about why this is from book bans, which I don't buy at all. I don't think that has an impact on sales. In fact, I think it might be good for some book sales. To uh, declining shelf space at Barnes & Noble. Some people say it's the content itself and that writers and publishers have been publishing YA that's actually meant to appeal to adults, not kids, because of the success of books like Twilight and The Hunger Games. And so kids are less interested in the books that are out there. Some people think it's just a result of increased screen time. Some people think it's just a natural correction after years of growth. But and for our purposes, the reason is probably less important than just realizing that as sales drop, competition among authors has gotten fiercer yeah. with more authors battling for smaller pieces of the, of the pie. And that includes advances, marketing, et cetera. Yeah. All right. So at the same time, YA has been hit by a number of cancellation scandals, often centered around, like you mentioned, race and identity. My favorite was probably the case of Kasoko Jackson. Do you remember that one? Kasoko Jackson wrote a book called A Place for Wolves um, that was basically about teen... You loved it. I I ended up reviewing it for reason because... It was a book about like a YA teen gay romance set against the backdrop of the Kosovo War. And it's very confusing. Kosovo War, Kosoko Jackson. Yeah. Uh, yes, I had a lot of trouble with that. Um, and it just got canceled for ridiculous reasons. And he had been a prime canceler of others. And then his book, like literally, it, the book was done. There were copies available and it was it, it was removed. Like, well, I don't know if it was on the shelves, but like it was good to go, like completed. And then that was it. The book didn't exist anymore. But someone sent me a copy and I reviewed it for a reason. But um, very crazy book cancellation. And not, by the way, not a good book, <laughs> but for other reasons. And, and the, the reason that I love this one is because Kosoko Jackson himself, as you mentioned, he was a prime canceler, but he also was a sensitivity reader. And his crime was, I, I didn't read the book, but the crime was that the characters were what, Serbian and... I, I don't remember. They were so... They, they, it was... Partly it was people trying to like paste America Islamophobia discourse into a setting where it just doesn't quite fit. But yeah, it was... Mm -hmm. There was a lot. Just read my review. But but he wrote he wrote outside of his own identity. He wrote outside of his own... Yeah, his own... He's black. Uh, I forget his like ethnicity, but he's black and he wrote about Kosovar characters or in a Serbia. I dude, I don't even know. It was so weird. Uh, so YA is for lack of a better term, woke as fuck. The idea, that idea that you can only write characters of your exact demographic is pretty pervasive in YA and has been for several years. And this of course does go beyond YA. Jesse, you interviewed a Filipino author on this show who wrote a book with black characters and he was told essentially you can't write outside your race. Alberto Gulaba, you should look up his stuff. So there's a whole movement based around this called hashtag own voices 
although that also gets criticized for not being specific enough, oddly. And the question about who can write what and who is getting published is a frequent topic on YA Twitter and elsewhere. And this all leads us to the story of Kate Corin. By the way, before you say that, I saw um, American Fiction last night, which is about all this stuff. People, our listeners, really? would very much enjoy this film, which is going to get a lot of Oscar attention. Yeah. Huh. Is it like a regular like yeah. mainstream release? Yeah. I mean, it's. Um, I think cool. it was in limited release, but it's about to be out everywhere. And I, I, I strongly suspect it will win Oscars. Cool. And it's about exactly nice. all this. Okay. So one quick note before we get started. Kate Corin is a she-they who switches between pronouns on her own website's bio, but I'm going to stick to this she. Okay, so we're going to switch every time we mention. <laughs> I'll be sticking to- Every time she comes up, we will, call her they. we will use they. Yeah. So I'll be sticking to she for both the sake of clarity and because I have a very specific brain tumor that only allows me to use the singular they once a day, and I already used it on a barista, a barista this morning. Okay, so like many authors today- Is that true? That I have a brain tumor? No, the, well, I don't care about that. Did you use it on a barista? <laughs> Did you use it on a barista this today, or is that a joke? No, I haven't left my house today. Yeah, that's what I suspected. Right, <laughs> go, go ahead. Okay, so like many authors today, Kate Corin, she started out as a fan fiction writer. Jesse, can you ex- how do you spell her last name for folks who want to look her up? C O R R A I N. Uh, Jesse, can you explain fan fiction for my mom? She's probably listening to this. Hey, hey, Mary Jean, it's Jesse. Um, so fan fiction is when. You know, if you play the Sega Genesis game Sonic the Hedgehog and oh, she you think gets there this. isn't enough explicit sex in it, you then write a story <laughs> about Sonic having sex with, say, Marge Simpson. <laughs> and you post that to some forum and mostly it gets read by like perverted old men. But once in a while, a fan fiction author can cross over and gain uh, genuine acclaim. But yeah, fan fiction isn't always sexual. It's just basically some character you're a fan of you write a story about them not always sexual unfortunately sometimes it's not sexual (laughs) so probably the most successful fanfic ever was indeed sexual this was 50 shades of gray which of course famously started out as twilight fan fiction so kate corin she was a rilo or a star wars fan who wants the characters ray and kylo to hook up she wanted to ship them she wanted to ship them yes that is in relationship. Is in relationship, yeah. And in yeah. 2018, she wrote a 155,000 word alternative universe Star nope. Wars. <laughs> I'm out. It was Bye, almost as long as the James Bennett essay. <laughs> uh, this was about this was a an alternative universe Star Wars love story. This was under the pen name Enterprisingly. Here's a summary of it in her own words. Ben Solo, a.k.a. AKA Kylo Ren, is a professional gambler playing the first-person shooter Starkiller for the internationally ranked esports team, the First Order. He's made a name for himself as a ruthless competitor with a ferocious... Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. The first, but the first... This is so confusing already. Isn't the First Order within the Star Wars universe? I don't know. Do I look like a man to you? Yes. <laughs> good point. <laughs> you want good point. <laughs> Actually, you did grow your hair out. I don't I know if you wanted it. Not. No, right, I'd look like continue. a man with long hair. That's true. Go ahead. All right, continue. Okay. What is uh, man? He's made a name for himself as a ruthless competitor with a ferocious temper and top-notch skills that can't be beat. That is, until a mystery player named Ray of Light begins thoroughly trouncing him whenever they cross paths. What follows is the unlikely story of a rivalry that turns into a friendship that turns into something else entirely. All the while, the esports community watches with bated breath, uh, with popcorn in hand. So, yes, they're fucking. Fucking. Okay, so for the record, uh, that fan fiction is slightly longer than Tolkien's The Return of the King <laughs> and more than twice as long as The Adventures of Tom Sawyer. There's a couple of lines unearthed by Jessica, the 80s baby. Actually, Jesse, there's something in my eye. Can you read these? It's in the notes. I bolted it for you. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, God. 
<laughs> oh no. This has to be <laughs> do it. This is the worst year ever. <sighs> he he eats her out like she's his last meal. <laughs> dot dot dot. Her eyes rove over him, drinking in the sight of his cock, resting hard and thick against his stomach, leaking precum from the flushed head. And if she hadn't known he was Jewish before, she certainly would now. How does that make you feel? Really sad. I should have done that in an Irish brogue. Maybe maybe next time. Okay, so this is erotica, which a lot of fiction, fan fiction is. And according to some of the chatter on Rilo forums, Kate took this fan fiction offline in an, in an, an effort to clean it up, change the characters, and find a traditional publisher like E.L. James. That's the author of Fifty Shades of Grey. So she failed at getting that published, but she didn't give up. No, no. they didn't want to publish uh, leaking pre-cum from the flushed head. <laughs> of a Jewish penis. And if she hadn't known he was Jewish before, she certainly would now, as he said, I don't think we've bombed Gaza enough. <laughs> <laughs> this probably could have gotten published, but then October 7th happened. Okay, so instead, she uh, she took a step back from the Rilo world. Is it Rilo or Raylo? I, Rilo? I Is think. it Rilo? I think so. I don't know. I do push-ups, Katie. I'm a jock now. So instead, she wrote a novel that retells the ancient Greek myth of Dionysus and Ariadne in, in space. She managed to get signed by Del Rey, which is an imprint of Penguin Random House. Nice. And that novel, Crown of Starlight, was set to be published in May. That novel, <laughs> pre-come from the head of the... P- oh, sorry. Was set to be published in May 2024. According to her... And it will be with no incident. <laughs> according to her website, which is currently down for reasons that will soon become clear, it was a, quote, snarky, queer, lushly romantic duology set in a galaxy of monstrous mortals, bloodthirsty gods... And love fierce enough to shatter the cosmos. That also sounds like she's talking about cock. <laughs> okay, so after she sold this book, things were looking up for Kate. She'd made this difficult leap from fan fiction writer to real author, and there was a massive publishing house supporting her. I don't know what her advance was. There was a lot of talk on social media suggesting that she had about a $75,000 advance. I have no idea if that's true. But she did have a deal with Illumicrate, which is a book box subscription service. So basically- We should just, let's just put that in context, like $75,000 for a first time author from the fan fiction world is nice. But given the amount of work that goes into writing a book, that's not a lot of money. I mean, to make any money on a book advance, it takes like four years to write write and publish a book. Well, it depends. Well, you know, also I think it's different in fiction because you're more likely to have a complete manuscript that they edit versus a proposal. So it depends. I mean, I I don't want to sneer. Obviously, I'm not sneering at $75,000. It just, I think people outside the book world um, might not know that. It probably sounds like a lot. But I mean, you have to give, so when it comes down to it, like you have to give 15% to the agent, the tax man takes 30%. Uh, it usually takes years to write a book. Basically, everybody who writes a book, unless it ends up as a massive bestseller or you get a hugely inflated advance, is getting paid less than minimum wage. I think that depends. But yeah, it's pretty, it's, it's a very rough business. Very few people make a living writing books. Yes. Yeah, Maria Bamford was on Megan Dom's podcast talking about this. She wrote a book. She got like a, I don't know, like $150,000 book advance and she worked out the hourly wage and it was 
much, much less than minimum wage after it took her four years to write the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for a lot of people, especially for nonfiction books requiring a lot of research, yeah. Right, and I don't think it particularly took a lot of research, but there's no, like, people ask me frequently if I'll ever write a book, and the answer is probably no, because it's not worth the money. You should. You have, like, the you have like um, a base of financial support. You should write your tell-all memoir. Yeah, it'd be so fascinating. Today, I sat on my laptop and looked up YA tweet, tweets. No, you literally, you're selling yourself short. Your average day, you are sponge bathing an old man <laughs> while he's like, the, the Jews. No, I don't do yeah, it. You're I watch. Your I just watch. Sponge bathe an old man as he's like, the Jews. That's a very exciting life. Maybe she should write the memoir. Yeah. Okay, anyway. So, uh, big push behind her behind her book, and this thing, Illumicrates. This is a, this is a really big deal because Illumicrates. So, it's a subscription service. Thousands of people sign up for this, and so thousands of people will get her book in the mail. Which means that in the UK alone, if you if you get signed to Illumicrates, you could have an instant bestseller. Oh shit, that's amazing. Yeah, and this is it's the way they send these boxes out. It's very photogenic and postable, so it's really excellent marketing on Instagram and TikTok. And apparently the book was pretty good. Like advanced copies were sent out to reviewers, and it was getting pretty strong reviews on Goodreads. And Goodreads is an essential part of this story. The site has been around since 2006. It's now owned by Amazon, and it is very popular. So for one thing, authors can create their own verified accounts and can interact with readers, answering questions from readers, sometimes sending them DMs to complain about bad reviews. That's a very good idea. Readers can also make lists of titles and then people upvote them. And this can be really helpful if you've just finished a book and you're looking for something similar to read. So for instance, The Quick Fix by Jesse Single, that appears on lists with names like Philosophy published in the year 2001. Was it a philosophy book? It's on the list. Politics published in the year 2001. No, that's wrong. Books with speeds in the title. I love that. Books <laughs> with speeds in the title. Yes. <laughs> it is also on my own personal list. Burn this one first if the heat goes out. Uh-huh. So on Books with speeds in the title, I'm ranked 124 out of <laughs> not that. Out of? Like 200 stuff. Well, right in the middle. Not good. Yeah. Always been a C student. Okay, so the heart of Goodreads is reader reviews. And the thing about reviews on Goodreads is that they are highly gameable. Helen Lewis wrote about this in a great piece for The Atlantic called The Wrath of Goodreads. Authors are at the mercy of people who don't bother reading their work. And this was about the practice of re- review bombing authors because they're turfs or bigots or fuck your ex-girlfriend or whatever. Uh, some newspapers have reported that the main victims of this trend are, you know, BIPOC or LGBTQ authors. Of course, they I have. Don't, yeah. Can I just say anything involving online harassment? That's like a tick at this point where you have to be like, like, yes, not necessarily, especially for like online communities that are mostly people from more upper class backgrounds. You wouldn't expect. Right. It's just it's a bizarre tick. And often it's not true. Anyway, go ahead. Right. Hardened racist. The K- members of the KKK, they can't meet in person anymore because of COVID restrictions, so they're sitting around review bombing books. Mm-hmm. I mean, the most famous example of this is probably the review bombing of Troubled Blood by Robert, Robert Galbraith, a.k.a. J.K. Rowling, or the recent case of uh, Liz Gilbert. She was review bombed because she had a book set in Russia. Makes sense. Oh, yeah, we talked about that. I don't know if we did talk about it. I don't think we're allowed to say the R slur on this show. We could get canceled. Russia? Yeah. <laughs> 
In both cases, the review bombing happened before the book was published or before it was for sale. And you can search one-star reviews and you will see people proudly announcing that they've not actually read the book. I mean, obviously, a huge writer like Rowling or Elizabeth Gilbert, Elizabeth Gilbert did give into this. She actually pulled publication of her book. Rowling isn't really affected by this shit. She's above it. She's above negative Goodreads reviews. People would buy her books if they were printed in dog shit. But for a small author... They can be really devastating, and it's enough of a problem that Goodreads made a statement about this last month. They said, quote, Earlier this year, we launched the ability to temporarily limit submission of ratings and reviews on a book during times of unusual activity that violates our guidelines, including instances of review bombing. This kind of activity is not tolerated on Goodreads, and it diminishes the community's trust in people who, t- who participate. We are currently in the process of removing ratings and reviews added during times of previous unusual activity that violate our guidelines. And this sort of reminds me, you'll see this happen with like Yelp. Like if there's a taco truck that's in the news because it turns out the, the women who started it were white, and all of a sudden they're getting tons of negative reviews, Yelp will limit activity on that. So it's sort of like that that tactic. I I think they should just ban anyone who who admit or suspend for six months anyone who reviews a book and mentions in the review they haven't read it. Just suspend them for six months. Right. What's the possible downside of that? Like you should like you should not be a part of that community, right? I mean, I guess from their perspective, they just want as many fucking reviews as possible. They just want uh, yeah, busy. that's true. Yeah, Goodreads also asks users to report suspicious behavior. You know, I mean, Amazon. It's owned by Amazon, and Amazon has verified reviewers because they like people who have bought the book yeah it doesn't seem like it would be that hard to implement something like that no especially because it's owned by amazon so on december 6th of this year someone named i'm going to butcher this i apologize preemptively zirin J Zhao, a chinese cannot canadian author uh, who goes by they them pronouns tweeted the following if you as a debut author are going to make a bunch of fake goodreads accounts one star bombing fellow debuts you're threatened by can you at least not make it obvious by uploading your own book on a bajillion different list with those same accounts so zhao also tweeted that they would not be naming the author in question quote i'm not going to leak the extensive receipts so i don't ruin this person's career before it even starts so it's a big old subtweet they did, however, name five authors who had been review-bombed by this anonymous Goodreads assassin, Kamala Cole, who is black, and the race will become important later, Bethany Baptiste, who is also black, Molly X. Chang, who is also black. No, Jewish. Just kidding. Uh, Asian. <laughs> Asian. <laughs> Kim Enright, also Asian, and Francis White, who is accurately named a whitey. Zhao also encouraged people to support the people on this, li- on this list. And one author who was not named was Kate Corin. Nevertheless, she joined in, tweeting, Nasty surprise of the day was learning that there were fake accounts messing with my Goodreads readings recently. If you've actually read my book and want to rate and review it, that would be great, as reader interest pre-release tells my publisher that my book is worth investing in. Next tweet, I guess that explains why my rating was fluctuating so much. If you like my book, please rate and review it. If you hated it, you're also entitled to share your opinion on it, but making fake accounts to manipulate my book's rating is something else entirely. I'm going to go be sad now. <laughs> so she's joining in, right? Yeah. She's saying like she's saying I was a part of this too, right? I was a victim. Exactly. Meanwhile, YA fans start digging, trying to figure out who the mystery review bomber is. Then Bethany Batiste, one of the authors named by Zhao, she tweeted about a, quote, albino snake in the hen house. 
Uh, she probably should have used the term cracker or honky or whitey because then an actual albino author mm. named Meredith Mooring, who also happens to be a friend of Kate Corrin's, called her out as ableist. And then Batiste wrote a long defensive thread about her use of the term albino snake, which she says is what, quote, black folk call deceptive white folk. <laughs> so she's not ableist she's just racist okay so this adds this layer of drama and all the speculation and finger pointing then leads Zhao, the original tweeter the original accuser to go oh fuck it and release a google document with 31 pages of receipts that's it that's all you get if you want to hear the rest go to blostermreported.org where for just five dollars a month and up you get three extra episodes just like this one each and every month as well as all sorts of other benefits thank you happy holidays happy new year hope you enjoyed the preview